Alright, welcome back to Pole Politicking. We're now politicking with Lil Spank Booty. What's good, bro? How you doing? Good, man. I'm blessed. How you doing, G? I'm good, man. So the first thing I want to talk about, uh, your name, where that come from? Because that, that sounds like a, a hood name right there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm named after a, a G from my hood, Big Spank, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I always flip and find meaning in names for myself. So, you know, the, the, the Spank booty is synonymous. You know, a lot of people be having their lower thinking, so that booty kind of like throw them off. But, you know, booty is really spoils that's garnered in war, you know what I mean? So, you know, we go into war with this music, man. We really trying to spank the masses and get them to wake up like when the doctors grab a newborn baby by the ankles and mm. they ass, man, you know, and wake them up to the world. So that's what we try to do with this music G and get money in the process you know alright that's what's up so I want you to talk about your background a little bit and how you got involved with music uh, well, you know, as is culturally relevant with any African, you know, music is a part of my household ever since I can remember being a part of the earth, you know, so just coming up, listening to different music, moms always have something going, you know, from reggae, you know, my first UTFO album she bought me in junior high school, you know, grandpops got the blues going, so, you know, I done been sprinkled with a lot of different influences, but music has always been a part of my household ever since I was a youth. All right, I know you with Wrong Kind, you got with them in 2006? Uh, actually, you know, I've been on Slick for a long time, man. So as far as the music is concerned, yeah, I got officially became a part of Wrong Kind in 2006 as far as the music is concerned. But just with my loyalties and my ties with Mitch, man, you know, this go back to the sandbox, you know? All right, what's up? And then, like, I don't know if people know right now, but, you know, you're right now you're serving a prison sentence, and this is a live interview from, you know, you're in the prison right now. So can you talk on the situation a little bit or not really? Uh, well, you know, man, I come from an area where, you know, everything is kind of, like, targeted at certain individuals. You know, they got injunctions. They got things that's really stereotypical racial profilers, man. So, you know, I was hit with a gang of trumped-up charges. I had a job and some other stuff, man, doing cool. And then, you know, I got snatched up by the law, and they hit me with a few trumped-up charges, man. And right now we're working to get that overturned. So, you know, it's just another story that I'm sure a gang of people in the urban dwelling, man, got tales of. It's just my, my certain circumstances. Uh, certain set of circumstances, you know? Yeah, I would say, but how old were you when you went in? Uh, the first time, or you talk about right now? Yeah, right now. Oh, right now, I was 29 when I went in. Yeah, cause I, 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 this case in 05, I was able to get out on bail for like three or four months, and then I've been down ever since, so I, I was 29. You know, I had just did 12 years, too, and was only out there, unfortunately, for like five months, and fell right back with 37 more, man, so you know. Yeah. Yeah, I would say is anything like far as the youth, like you try to say to them to try to get them to avoid the lifestyle or is it kind of like, you know, that's the, if you're in that environment, that's going to be the lifestyle? Well, I mean, you know, uh, the lifestyle is something that's learned. You know what I mean? It, the miseducation of it is it, something that's learned. It's not something that that's natural in us, that warrior instinct. You know, it's just a part of our blood, being that we from the continent of Africa. You know, a lot of these things we don't really realize or be able to pinpoint exactly where they're at. And therefore, the mischanneling of it is what turns it into a negative. So, you know, as far as just the gangs and the representations, when you really get to the root of what Bloods and Crips was built for, you know, these was built to be the vanguards of the community. Now, all the miseducation. 
education and the genocidal aspects of it, you know, we got to look at it for what it is. A lot of that has been tools of the unseen hand, which is the system that wants us in prison because they make money off of that. Right. And so, you know, a lot of this shit, it ain't really the root of it because the root don't ever change or what it was originally built for. It just gets mixed up when a lot of men come in and start to manipulate the authority and they, and they respect and they say so for their own personal and selfish gains. And a lot of times that ends up with the community being tore down. So, you know, if a youth was educated on it, you know, it's like the army. You know, it's like the Navy, it's like the Marines, but instead of doing it for your country, you're doing it for your community. Now, understand, I'm meaning this in the truest form of what revolutionary and, and being a vanguard of the people symbolizes, because it's not just uh, sex and dogs to represent only bloods or only cribs. You know, it's grandmas up in the community that need to be protected and represented in the proper way. It's babies up here that need to be represented and protected in the proper way. So when you do it from a community aspect instead of sectioning it off to the lowest level, which is just a gang aspect, you know, it's really all-encompassing, and it can be a positive thing. But even religion can be negative if it's seasoned with the wrong type of meditation and negative mind states, you know? Yeah, obviously, I like when you you were saying, like, uh, we kind of just used it, like you was talking about how we, we have that from being African, and you said we kind of just use the energy negatively. I was going to say, uh, what are some ways they can use the energy you know, we have to channel it properly. And again, this falls back on some of the older elements in the community. You know, what we know as G's, as older homies, individuals who have a certain status and a certain reputability that comes along with their name and their character and that are looked up to in certain circumstances. And these is who these young guys is idolizing, man. So first it has to start with the responsibility of the older elements of the community in order to get these youngsters to channel these things in the proper way. I mean, it's unlimited, actually, brother, the ways that we can channel it. You know, we got music. We got various forms of music, not just hip-hop, various forms of music, instrumentation, stuff, but it's like Savon Glover that be tapping. Right. Get his, his energy into the tap. You got brothers that's skilled in athletics. You got brothers that's skilled in, 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 in academics, you know, in architecture, various things. But it's just up on us to be able to know that this fire exists in the youth and to be able to channel it properly. You know what I mean? We got to channel it properly. We got to be able to look and see what a youth is good at. And it becomes a, a responsibility of our observation that's older elements who can look and see okay well now in the 10 15 year span i could see this individual right here possibly being instrumental in creating this lane for the community you know and being able to to, to, to water that and nurture it and allow it to grow in that way and therefore you start turning that energy into something positive that can be utilized for the collective because that's really what it's all about efforts of individuals to benefit the collective we got to get back to that homie that's the only way the community the nation is going to be able to really progress on me is by being individualistic tools of the collective interest that's what's up man and um i wanted you to talk about some of your current projects right now because i know the uh, the early release you're working on that one so i wanted you to talk about your current projects uh, well, early release, man, is is, a, is is something that me and my wife, shout out to the main leadster. You know what I mean? We got major league management. Uh, we got a management company called Major League Management. And this is the first project with the major league management emblem on it. So it's early release. You know, a lot of people that have been following my struggle is familiar with the album we pumping called Concrete Conspiracy. You know, me and my boy Slick's going to put that out. But early release is something because, you know, we trying to get the proper distribution lane for the Concrete Conspiracy and all that. So early release is just something to a lot of people who've been waiting on that concrete conspiracy, something to, you know, appetize they thirst for the little Spanx bars and give them something that could really heat up the streets and just keep them on ice until that uh, concrete conspiracy come out probably next year sometime, you know? 
Yeah, I'm gonna say, what what motivates you to like, you know, in your situation to make music and try to make something happen? Because I know like my cousin locked up and he just like he's so negative he don't try anything. So what makes you, you know, what what makes you want to motive do your thing still? It goes back to what I was saying about a tool, individuality working towards the betterment of the community. You know, I look at all the youngsters that look up to me that I've been blessed to have an avenue or just respect that they, you know, lean on my words or they they, 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 they seek me out for advice. So my motivation is being able to show everybody in the ghetto because, you know, from the time we born, they get to tell us what we can and can't do. So I want this album not just to be about hip-hop, not just to be about a lucrative investment and a potentiality for commerce, but I want it to be also a symbol that no matter how much these people tell you, you can't do something, no matter where they put you in order to try to prevent you from being able to do something or distract you because of all the different things, the stresses that come along with prison itself, all those things taken into consideration, you can still be successful, and it's just going to take effort, it's going to take you networking, it's going to take you expanding your mind and searching different ways to allow your creativity to be, you know, to come to the people. So that's really the motivation to me, man, just wanting to be something bigger than what these people have been telling me. You know, they try to put that stigma of gang banging on you. Then there's labels that's, 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 that's implemented to limit you, homie. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say you're a gang member, it comes with a long list of things that a person who's labeled as a gang member can't do. Right. Actuality, these are male man imposed limitations. Jordan gave us the ability to do anything possible that a human being can do, regardless of the labels that a man have put on us. So what we have to do is erase that label and still go to that job potential and try to do it no matter where we at, no matter what our situation, whether we live in Section 8, whether we live in Beverly Hills, wherever we at, it doesn't matter. We still have the potential to allow that creativity to grow and, and, and permeate the community, man, and that's what it's about. And I would say, far as a artist, what do you feel separates you from other artists and you know why why people should support your music vice to other artists out there well I'm gonna say you know if a cat is 100 man support his music too mm-hmm. and if he is different you know a lot of cats always get into the you know they find out you are blood they get to ask you questions about Lil Wayne and you know different cats that's blood what's wrong with Lil Wayne he done did some snitching what he done did that violate the rules I don't care if he wears skinny jeans or whatever that's his style that's his vibe that's the way he represents the beat but it's a lot of different elements and principalities homie that go into certain representations and I think we sleep on a lot of that so to answer your question about the music why people should support me I don't know you know what I mean I just feel like I'm expressing myself in a way that Jai gave me the ability to and I hope that it's an expression that's not limited to just a certain demographic of people I hope that it's an expression that grandmas can get into with certain songs that's on the album or just different meditations that once we get deeper beyond the music like you giving me the opportunity to do right now brother and I really appreciate it we could bring people closer to the mind behind the artist that people see blasted out because a lot of times that depth can get over you know overshadowed or glossed over because people just see things in the media, this propaganda that people using to sell records or the propaganda that people is using to stop the sale of records or whatnot. And it kind of like glosses over the real tool that an individual has to uh, provide the community with. So I would hope that, you know, 
people just can 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 identify with me, man. You know what I mean? That's really what it is. I hope they can identify with me. I don't I don't want them to exclude another brother if he's one hundred and what he's doing is conducive to helping the struggle, even if he might be miseducated. You know what I mean? It, it's still something that that brother could be used for. So you know, a lot of times, homie, we lose by sexing and off and singling out and opposing each other instead of coming together. Right. Exactly. It's a lot more beneficial, homie. If we come together, it's a lot more beneficial, homie. You know what I mean? And that's what we got to start looking at. Even with the Bloods and Crips, even with the Blacks and the Hispanics, you know, all the different uh, combative elements that they pit against each other, the different tribes. You know what I mean? We really have a lot more in common than we have at odds, homie. And the instant that we start to magnify those commonalities above those odds is when we start really seeing who's the true enemy and start mobilizing the people, homie, and hopefully getting some of these injustice, these injustices justices and situations that systematically been uh, imposed on our people for, for hundreds of years, homie, we start to get it turned around and start to get this vehicle of democracy really working for the people, but it's going to take the people in order to do that. Yeah, I'm going to say you were saying about the, the blacks and Hispanics, I would say, so in the prison, is it, is it segregated still, or is it everybody like... Absolutely. Absolutely, homie. As soon as them handcuffs get on you and you get put in the first holding tank, homie, unfortunately, it's like you're going right back into civil rights. Hmm. You know, you got a black water fountain, you got a Mexican water fountain, you know, the Mexicans and the whites, you know, share their sides of the day room, you know what I mean? So the Mexicans and the whites is kind of like allies, you know what I mean? Mm. You know, and a lot of people might be like, well, damn, how can the Mexicans, which is people with melanin, be allies with, with, with people that sworn, uh, sworn allegiance to Eurocentricity and everything that's white? But you got to think about, you know, it's just politics, homie. You know, a lot of times it'd be strength in numbers, you know. So the Africans was outnumbering people a lot of times. And, you know, that caused the, the, the primitive aspect of individuals of prey and, and, and the hunted to come, come together. Out, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, predator in place. So, you know, they linked up. I'm going to tell you right now, I, actually what I'm doing is I'm going into my little... Uh, I got some notes, because I'm going to give you some real game on that. The actual alliance between the Aryan Brotherhood and the Hispanic, what's known as the Mexican Mafia in prison, actually happened in 1968, homie, with a cat named Joe Morgan, a peg-leg cat named Joe Morgan. You know, that was his nickname, peg-leg Joe Morgan. But this cat was from a Hispanic gang in Los Angeles, but he was of, I believe, Polish descent. So when he came into prison, a lot of the white cats seen him and immediately, you know, pushed up on him because they thinking that they his people. But in reality, he was a part of the Hispanic gang. But hence came the, the bridge that was built between the two. So from all my studies and everything, I didn't came in contact with That's how that link became one with the Hispanics and the whites, you know what I mean? But other than that, homie, it's like, you know. It's real oppressive up in here, homie. It's real segregated. You know, blacks and Mexicans don't sell up. You know, you go to certain prisons, you know, it can be war where individuals trying to kill each other, but sometimes it's just anti-socialness. And then in other spots you can get, you know, it'll be a nice, respectful line that an individual will know where that barrier is. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's true, homie. It'll be hard for a layman who haven't been in this situation to really understand how deep it go and the dynamic of it, homie, you know? Yeah, I'm going to say you were saying you study, and I would say, can you talk about some of the uh, books you're reading? Oh, man, I got... Right now, I'm reading Die, Nigger, Die by H. Rap Brown. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm reading right now. But as far as my library, homie, let me look. 
I got a, hold on, let me turn on this light, G, so I can tell you exactly what I got in my library, homie. I got a, I got God, the Bible, and the Black Man's Destiny. That's by Ashaka Musa Barasango. I got Chatting Down Babylon, which is a Rastafarian book by Morel Spencer and McFarland. I got Blue Rage, Black Redemption, The Course Rest in Peace by Tookie Williams. I got the autobiography of the sister Sada Shakur. I got Communism in Eastern Europe. I got the Behold the Tell Horse. I got New Day in Babylon, which is about the black power struggle from 1965 to 1975. I got the Rasta and Resistance. I got Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. I got the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey. Mm. You know, I got various little different things, men that are kind of sink his teeth into, men as far as, you know, just getting a better conscious and trying to figure out some of the things, like I was telling you, about how, as Africans, we already have that warrior blood in us. We have that strength, that leadership potential within us. But a lot of times, that energy can be mischanneled. So, you know, by reading and coming in contact with your lineage, your history, your ethnicity, and, and, and your culture, and different things like that, you become, you know, the, 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 the smoke gets cleared out of the room and you start to see things a lot clearly. And unfortunately, this progressive type of, 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 of growth happens for a lot of black men once they've already made youthful indiscretions that got them in a trip situation like myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I And at the same time, you know, like I said, thanks to mediums like you, we still can be effective, homie. It's never over. That's what I would tell your relative, homie, who you said is just so negative. You know, this is a negative environment, homie. You know, it's, 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 it's unnatural. Listen to me now. It's unnatural for a man to be around all men all day. Right. It's unnatural for two men to share a bathroom-sized cell all day. That's unnatural. But a lot of people don't know how to translate these things into a positive way, and it sets in with bitterness. You know, sometimes they be bitter at themselves, like, damn, how did I fuck up again, or did I fuck up this first time, excuse my language, and get the situation to begin with, you know what I mean? You know, so it's a lot of things that go into that. And I can understand, not even knowing the brother, I can understand how in this situation he could be negative and bitter. But at the same time, you know, it's going to take a brother that walk in the same shoes to let him know, brother, you know, you can't change or control what somebody does to you. You can only change and control how you choose to respond to it. And this situation basically only has two opportunities, to kill you or make you stronger. And once you foundate that in a man's mind, then you're going to see whether he a man or a mouse, whether he a lion or he a hyena, because he's going to stand up and be like, well, man, since you put it in interns, I refuse to lose, and I'm not going to allow nobody to defeat me, let alone myself. So I'm going to go ahead and try to channel some of these things, and that's how we get started. We get to read. You know, brother, you come from a, a royal lineage, brother. You know, take them from, because if you notice, the educational system itself is a part of psychological brainwashing. Right, right. Part of psychological warfare. Because they never tell you about black people's history before slavery. Yeah, we just slaves and Martin Luther King, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? They never go back to that. So automatically, they're giving you, uh, 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 and who do we look up to is? Just like ancestors ain't nothing but the OG homies we look up to in the hood right now, back in the day. That's what an ancestor was. Mm -hmm. So now just think if everybody you came in contact with always told you that OG homies from your hood was busters that got, you know, German shepherds let out on them and didn't do no resistance or nothing. Just think about the, the, the psychological 
chain that that puts on somebody to let them know you came from a motherfucker who was already oppressed and 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 and, and subject to whatever type of uh, of of uh you know, atrocity that somebody could put on them and they didn't do no resisting or nothing. Just imagine psychologically what that does to somebody. And then you throw them all the distractions, the chemical distractions, the drugs. You throw the economic distractions of poverty, hunger. You throw the, 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 the distraction of the flip side of the drug, which is the hustler. The person who ain't chemically dependent, who financially dependent. So now he's pushing the poison that got the dope fiend strung out. But now it's created a gang war or, or a drug war because his money is coming longer than the next cat who's trying to eat. But just think about all these distractions that are present in the community. And if you can really think back, brother, every generation that has some type of chemical distraction imposed on them by this society. So what would you say this generation's uh, chemical distraction is? That X. That X and that lean. Oh, yeah. So that shit, especially, no, yeah, both of them shits is really bad. Yeah, but now think about it. Think about it. You had Frank Lucas, all them cats. Yeah. The OT pimps. I'm talking about from the fifties and the sixties. They was off that heroin real tough. Yep. That led us all the way maybe to seventy nine, eighty something. You know, cocaine was really a white man's drug because it was so expensive in the high lasted for a short period of time. So you really needed long bread to stay where you was trying to be at. But then once it turned into crack, it fizzled down to the community. Now we on now we ain't even talking about the uppers, downers, barbiturates, and all that that been in the community for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That lead us to the set to the eighties with the crack. Then early nineties, homie smoking PCP. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Not to mention the liquor and all that. So let's just look at every generation and how every generation had a chemical distraction that was controlled and implemented by the government. Because again, no Africans don't own no planes, no boats, or none of that shit. You feel me? You feel me? Yeah, I got you. Gotta look at it. Yeah, we gotta look at it for the psychological effect of it because this is war, brother, and it been war since the first slave ship sailed over here, sailed to Africa and brought us over here to this so-called new world. It's been a war on our culture. It's been a war on our religion. It's been a war on our language. It's been a war on our very existence. Yeah, I would say, man, you've been dropping, you've been dropping a lot of game on here. But I just want to ask you, uh, far as like, you know, just anything you want to tell the little homies, like anybody out there that's trying to just get on their grind and just trying to. Just making it in life, not even necessarily with music, but just trying to make it in life in general. What would you tell them? You don't have to come from a roster perspective and put money is not everything. Mm-hmm. You know, just have a have a solid character. Have riches in your character first. Have riches in your principles first. Know what you will and won't do for the bread, and don't let that control you. You know what I mean? You know, uh, money make a lot of people and a lot of demons come out. Whether it be friends, family, it can even come out of yourself. So you have to have a foundation before you get the bread or it'll drive you crazy, homie. And that's evident with look at Lindsay Lohan and, and, and Robert Downey and all these people who didn't have stupid bread. And the average African in the ghetto can't think, damn, that fool, if I had that money, I'd be straight. I wouldn't be going to jail or nothing. That's not necessarily true because it's not the money. It's the character of the individual who has the money. So if your characters are not right, it don't matter how much dough you get. It's still not going to end up at the end of the day to be a good situation for you. So the first thing I'll tell the youngster is get knowledge yourself first. You know what I mean? Get you a firm understanding of what you will and won't do. Have some principles about yourself. You know what I mean? Because those are things that when the money's gone, you're still going to have principles. So the money don't make you. 
You can't allow it to do that because it'll break you. It'll make you and it'll break you. You know what I mean? So that's what I would tell a youngster, man. And just stay positive. Stay pushing. You know, don't get distracted, man. You know what I mean? And don't do things. Okay, let me say this. Don't take a gamble for something that's not worth the repercussions if that gamble cracked you out. So if all you got is a thousand on you, let me put it in street terms. If all you got is a thousand on you, and you know your rent is doing all that, how you gonna go to the crap game with that only thousand and risk losing? Because now it's deeper than the thousand your rent due. So now it's your home you really shooting for. Condo, phone bill, food, clothes. So it's really deeper. So now you would do a lot better to keep that thousand and not take that gamble because it's not gonna be equally beneficial as far as the pros and the cons. That's how we got to start looking at our lives, man. Because these people don't allow us to think our lives. They don't teach us that our lives mean something. Right. Like I told you from the very beginning, even with the ancestral teachings that they give us in school, they teach us from the beginning that our lives don't mean nothing. And then they back that up with illustrations and past historical events to let us know how unimportant our lives have been to these people. So we have to get back rooted in how important our lives are to us. And this is something that we got to spread in the community, homie. We got to start taking this on. Me as a little spank who has a voice, who has an ear of the youngster that's coming up, thinking blood is what he's really, really willing to risk his life for. But in actuality... This 2012 generation of blood don't know nothing about them early 80s, uh, late 70s blood that really came into it on a community level from the Slossons and Bunchy Carter and the businessmen and all them coming directly from the line of the Black Panthers, utilizing elements that already existed in the community in order to form the vanguard. So we got to bring these youngsters back up on the teachings of this, and that's how we go connect back with the older elements of the community. You know, I used to hear stories back when I was younger, like, yeah, boy, we running from the police. Miss Johnson opened up our door and let us come up in her house and tell the police we, she didn't see nobody. Back when it was a black day, back when these brothers was putting free lunches out there for these youths early in the morning, when they was having clothes drives and it was connected with the community, not just bloods or crips, but the community. Yeah. was killing us, man. You know what? We turning ourselves in. We killing ourselves. We turning ourselves in. You got these other cats that are assuming the more cone and becoming snitches. You know what I mean? So we doing this to ourselves. Now the European can just sit back and blame it on us, even though we know he's the unseen hand in the system that got it all started. Yeah, the I'm so full blown and we doing it to each other. He can lean back and make it seem like he, you know, he ain't got nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say. And what would you like to tell, say, to your fans, everybody that's supporting your music and everything, and just riding with you? You know, I really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it, man. And I, and I hope y'all willing, you know. Uh, Job willing and, and, and job bless these attorneys with the, with the skills that they need in order to put this petition together and give me some release, relief on this case. I really hope that I'll be able to really interact and show my fans once I get out there and my feet on solid ground how appreciative I am, whether it be signing autographs, taking flicks, really imparting a young cat with some, with, some, with, some, with some positive words, man. You know, that's what I'm about. I don't want to be known for gangbanging and tearing down the community. I don't want my name to be synonymous with that. I want my name to be synonymous with something that was community building that started like Detroit Red, who we now know as Malcolm X, from that gutter and came up and got some teachings and instead of running off some 
somewhere and buying a multi-million dollar house way outside of the community, that brother came back and brought that knowledge to the table and tried to help other brothers, you know, find themselves and reach there and reach a higher plateau and a higher meditation. That's what I want my name to be synonymous with at the end of the day. And I hope my fans know that. And I hope that the old ladies and the older brothers and the youngsters out there who might not necessarily look at my outside exterior and think that I have something to offer, I hope that they be humbled a little bit and look beyond the cover of the book because I really got true love for my people, man, and I really got true love for any urban individual, whether it even be Europeans in the trailer park that's looked at as less than men by these motherfuckers who run these governments and all that, you know what I mean? So I just really want to represent the impoverished and the underprivileged people, man, and show them that even though we come from the lowest on the totem pole, we really don't have no limits except for those that we impose on ourselves. Yeah, I'm going to say, you said something, this is probably the last question, uh, you was talking about Detroit Red and Michael Max, and I want to say, so when did you think uh, you had your awakening? Because, I mean, you sound like you're very enlightened now, so when did you have your, your awakening? Well, honestly, brother, I've always had love for black people. You know what I mean? I've always, even though I've been, you know, even though I've been susceptible to the distractions and... You know, I'd have fed into a lot of the, the misguidance and the misteachings. I've always had a love for black people. You know, it'll probably shock people to know. I was off that X clan so tough in the seventh grade, homie. I got sent to the principal office for refusing to say the flag salute and put the red <laughs> and green flag to school, homie. In the seventh grade, G, I wish my mama was on the show because she about for me. Real talk. So I've always had a love for black people. So even in the midst of me doing negative things in the community, I never was one who would disrespect an old woman or who would do some just non-moral type stuff, homie. I never was one who would be 300 deep with my homies, see a cat that I was cool with in the county jail who might be from somewhere else or juvenile hall or whatever, and now I'm tripping on him. You know, I've never been one of those dudes. I'm going to always be the same because, like I was telling you earlier, what I would impart to the youngsters, have principles about yourself. Have things that you will and won't do. You know what I mean? You gotta be able to have a certain amount of love for your brother. You got to, man. You know what I mean? You got to. You know, because I don't know no African that's gonna cut a baby up out your mama or your auntie's stomach and throw it over the side of the ship so the sharks can eat it. Right, right. Certain things that we wouldn't do. You know what I mean? So, you know, we, we, we got to have that love for each other, man. And we got to be willing to sit down sometimes and bury the hatchet and be humble. Not always be reactionaries. I want my people to be strategic. Let's be strategists, man. Let's think about things before we react to them and really weigh them out and start making better decisions. Because that's what life is based on. Your ability to make proper decisions. Some decisions we can make at a youthful age where we really don't know how to be men can affect us once we old and gray and still having to pay up under this unhumane system and this unlove-filled system for things that we did in adolescence. We can't even buy beer at this age, man. We can't drive cars. We can't do a lot of things that this society says that a, a grown adult can do. But yeah, we can make a mistake that I had in society override that fact and charge us as adults and never give us the opportunity to outgrow and become knowledgeable and therefore graduate from our youthful indiscretions and that miseducation. Mm-hmm. That alone tells you that this system can't be about real rehabilitation. How can this really be about rehabilitation when if everybody stopped doing crime, these people who run these jails wouldn't get no more money? Yeah, they won't. The police wouldn't have no way to provide for their family. Right. So is it really about that? That really don't make no sense. Yeah. I you know? 
I appreciate you coming through politics with me, bro. It's been a real good interview. You dropped a lot of game. We had a lot of diamonds falling from the sky when you was talking. Oh, man, I appreciate the opportunity, brother. Thank you very much, man. All right, we about to go into two of your songs, uh, The Homage to Throne and Live Long. So I just wanted you to talk about them a little bit, then we're going to go into them and just ride out. Okay, well, Homage to Throne, you know, unfortunately, man, I lost my G-Moms, man, my grandma, man, July 7th of this year, 2012. So, you know, I was really looking for something that I could really release that, that, that pain that I was feeling on, because, you know, I'm a roster, so our Saturday, Saturday, and my G-Moms, you know, she real religious as far as Christianity, and when I had got home, she used to be on me, you need to go to church, this, that, and the other. So, long story short, my G-Moms had a stroke real bad, and she wasn't able to go to church like she would want to, so knowing that that was important to her, homie, I used to read the Bible with my grandma every Saturday. Mm. MIG, my straight passed on a Saturday, homie. So, you know, it, it was just me kind of like, you'll listen to the homage to throne, the first verse is about my grandma, the second verse is about my mom, and the third verse is about my wife. It's just, again, in the, in, 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 in the thoughts of Africanism, paying homage to the imperialness of the black woman and the strength that they exude and the fact that really, in reality, this life couldn't go on if it wasn't for a woman. And then lifelong, it's just a song about, you know, about my homies that I done lost, basically, and just sticking to the script no matter how, how long they try to get me. You know, I'm going to stay dedicated and I'm going to stay rooted in the right for my lifelong. And I ain't going to never forget my homies who done gave their life or who up in these positions in, in prison with a whole life sentence. So that's kind of like, you know, the science behind them two slappers right there, my boy. Popolitikin.com. I can't explain the way I'm coming to miss you. The two sevens combined and they great granny gave birth to you. Maybe I'm overanalyzing the superstitions, but how you pass the same day I passed and read descriptions. I wonder what's the bigger picture. Our conversations flood my memory like verses I'll be spitting. When I saw your obituary, I felt a heavy burden had been lifted, but the pain won't let me forget it. Imagine all I tried to tell you if I had another minute. I smoked a half a zip to meditate. Grandma, forgive me. They wouldn't bring me to your funeral. They didn't want to risk it. They had you looking real pretty. My mama sent me all the pictures. When I get out, I'm going to block that your face from a picture. You down here with me every day. It ain't no way I forget you. I got an angel watching over me now, so they don't stand a chance to hold me back. To have you here again, I turn around and lead it back. We stick, you still strong. We weather the storm. Can't forget how much you throw. How much you throw. How much you throw. Second, 1976, the day my single mother gave birth to a prince. Despite the doctor saying only one of us would live, you stood on the statement of fear, woman never wins. They came to judge the tears, and over all these years, the respect that I have for women comes from what you did. So raising endangered species to live beyond the kids, in the ur
keep us afloat. Working plenty hours and efforts to keep us from broke. Through my youthful discretions, you provided me hope. Always told me that my potential was greater than most. The lessons you taught me, I understand now that I'm grown. So now I'm making sure the world comes to throne.